Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try to take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week we are diving into the microbiome to find out all things tiny, good and bad. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, uh, Spotify, iTunes, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now. If you can give us a like, rating, share, comment, whatever it is, it helps us out absolutely massively. I'm Tom Jenks, joined as per usual by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? Doing good, mate. Doing good. How are you? How are you this week? Yes. Yeah. On, this, on this Thursday Eve when we are recording. Not, not too shabby. Much better than last week, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That? Oh, yeah, you oh, were very I was Ill. just not having a good time last week. This time last week. Straight up. Just straight not up not having a good time. A good time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd say much better, to be honest. Yeah. That's, much better. It's good to hear. It's always great to hear. How about you? Any uh, major oh, just, news? Just admin, mate. Life admin, you know. Uh, you know when yeah. life admin comes around and you're like, oof. Not a fun CBA. time. Yeah. Like, and it's caused by someone else that's not you. Like, yeah. It's not. It's like no fault. You could call it incident. That's a insurance joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but in the upswing, um, I fixed my car earlier uh, for what I thought was going to cost me a few hundred quid. Uh, turns out my car's electrics are all over the place. But uh. one fuse that wasn't for the thing that was broken switching it up and around actually fixed it so now my car's um windows open oh that's a good time yeah just in, just in time for the sunny weather i mean the rain that's going to happen for three weeks as yeah my office say it's gonna be the wettest august since you know i thought we were meant to be having like ago. a heat wave at some point and yeah I'm, I'm holding out for it um yeah. now that I've got, the, I've got the windows that go down i can actually enjoy it without having to you know I was thinking it's the it's the tenth of August right now, and I don't think I've seen the sun in a good couple of weeks up here in Scotland. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what yeah, this is what Scottish summers are like. Cool, cool, it's, cool. It's so the weather. Okay, this is like pure, just ridiculous talk. But the weather at the moment is really strange. Like it's rainy yet incredibly humid, sunny for like ten minutes, and then back to like wet, which is a nightmare for drying clothes. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's like nothing. <laughs> It's not um, too wet here, I'd say. It's been quite dry, but oh. very muggy. Yeah, muggy is the thing. I'm in Plymouth, so if it's like muggy anywhere else, it's absolutely peeing it down in uh, Plymouth. That's true, um, yeah. So It's the UK centre yeah. for rain. It, it is. Good if you want to grow some tomatoes, which I may, you know, maybe it's anything I'm doing. Could be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Need sun along with that, though. Uh, this is yeah. the issue. Nah. 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 No, you don't like you just need just needs to be like sunlight. That's three clouds, that's fine. Um in other news, Baldur's Gate got released and everybody who has a computer or or a PlayStation in September needs to play it. It's incredible. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things. I'm holding out for my own sanity and the sanity of my, my work. Uh the thing is the way that you play it, you can just be like, okay, well, I'm going to save it here. Because it's not like high octane. It's not like playing like Titan 4 or Call of Duty and it's just like fight after fight after fight to keep you in. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just going to go explore, explore this bit. I've done that. I need to stop. Okay, cool. Come back. You you know, you're exactly where you left off. Not how my brain works. Yeah, same, mate. I've, I've put, <laughs> me, oh, I'll get my Steam open to see how many hours I've put into it. Uh, in the last week, 43 hours. Oh, just just a solid near two days. <laughs> near two days. Yeah, it is. Oof, it's good. It's good. good. So many in so many ways is it fantastic. No, the role play element and the gameplay element. Just if you like D and D and like video games, it is for you. I respect the character. I was like, eh. you know, oh, did one, you? Of my, one of my one of my teammates was a cleric of the trickery domain which is just shitty if anyone <laughs> <played> <laughs> to, and knows that like if you're going to play a cleric don't do it with the trickery domain if you want someone who's actually going to heal like immediately respect her into a life domain cleric because you're going to oh, do that yeah. oh, that's yeah. cool 
So all the NPCs, and all the other, like, the other characters in the game, even the ones that have like, crucial stories, like your companions, you can fully respect them, which I think is funny. Because there's one character who is a um, tiefling barbarian, and her whole story is that she's got an infernal engine in her chest um, to make her really angry and really good barbarian. You can spec her into being a wizard. <laughs> like I just be like, yeah, no, she just gets angry and then casts spells because that's how it works now. That's great. Yeah, it's delightful. Absolutely delightful. That's really cool. Um, awesome. Um, so last week I said I had some news for this week. Yeah, um, it's Did not particular, it's not particular it news. No, no, I've, I've, I have done that. Uh, I guess okay. my disclaimer is it's not like particularly. Oh, this is hot off the press news, but I think it's it's relatively important. Oh, it was the news that the superconductor got found out to be absolutely fake news, and that they haven't been oh, able to do it. Yeah, so if you listened last week, Mitch very, uh, very well, diligently divulged into the new superconductor at room temperature um, news that came out, incredibly exciting. And then within that past week, lots of people have tried to replicate it, and it just hasn't worked. Um, yeah. So that's in fun. me saying the news, I was like, hold your breaths, because this has happened before. Um, and uh, yeah, happened. They, can't, they haven't been able to replicate it yet. It's all a bit... <sighs> There's also something in, uh, that happened in maths as well, which is along the same the same vein. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, sorry to interrupt your, your news, but this, is, this was um, a, a, a Japanese mathematician who very renowned knows what he's doing but had a, a really awful habit of like when they're writing up their papers they just didn't do a good job and nobody could understand it at all right, right? uh living in japan published it in japan published it in a, a paper in japan and the paper accepted it apart from he was part of the paper journal the journal uh, uh he was an editor at that journal but apparently said like he was unbiased he wasn't on it which is difficult because the people that were editing it and publishing it and making sure it was right knew him <laughs> so yeah. hard to be unbiased in that position um saying that he's he had solved some absolutely incredible mass problem that has been i think it's like the um i was gonna call it abc but it's not it's called like the ab issue or something like that claimed to have solved it um but the issue being is that nobody else <laughs> can read his paper, uh, could read his paper to claim otherwise or right. to try and prove it or disprove it. Apart from those two uh, mathematicians from, I think it was Europe, one from Europe, one from America, uh, and they had claimed to be able to decipher his paper and then said they were, it like, could pr- proved it wrong. And then he has come back, the, the Japanese mathematician, and said, if you can prove it wrong accurately, essentially the Japanese guy just said, no, you haven't understood my paper right, so therefore your proof that uh, it's not right is wrong because you haven't understood my paper. Yeah. And they've gone, well, write your paper better because it's completely indecipherable. So as a backstory of that, the Japanese mathematician has essentially said, I'm putting a million pound bounty on anybody that can prove that my paper is incorrect even though no yeah. one can read it and understand it. You can read it, but they can't really can, like... Well, that's one way to kind of, like, try and self-prove yourself, right? But, like, oh, well, yeah. no one's been able to disprove it. Yeah, that's wild. That is wild. Uh, I did watch... I found, fell down, like, a YouTube rabbit hole of maths the other day, and someone actually broke maths once. I uh, did they? Um, yeah... I won't go over it this episode because it's a bit of a lengthy story. Uh, We've got a topic to get to. Um, But someone actually broke maths for a good few years, I think, in like the early 1900s or mid-1900s. So I'll I'll go over that at one point because that's an interesting story. Um, But my news for this week is all about a woman named Henrietta Lacks. Uh, Potentially the most influential woman in history that no one's ever heard of thanks to gross negligence in the scientific field and a big lawsuit that just got resolved um i think a week ago today so the second or third of august 
Um, so I'm going to take you back to 1951. Henrietta Lacks is, uh, or, uh, was a young black woman visiting uh, the Johns Hopkins Hospital and complaining of vaginal pain. Upon inspection, a doctor found a large malignant tumour on her cervix and unfortunately, shortly after this visit to the doctors, uh, she, she passed away from the cancer. Before she passed away, however, the doctor had removed a piece of the tumour and sent it off to a tissue research laboratory without ever asking for her consent or like whether this procedure can be done or the, the tissue can be taken. They just did it whilst they were, you know, inspecting the, the, the tumour itself. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened with all cancer cells prior to this point that had been removed from a patient's body and sent to a research clinic is that they died within a couple of days of being without, outside of the patient's body. We were unable to keep them replicating for the purpose of studying them. Henrietta Lacks cells, however, were the very first to ever continuously and endlessly multiply outside of the body, doubling once every 24 hours or so. This completely overnight revolutionized the medicinal study uh, sphere. Suddenly scientists have access to a potentially unlimited supply of human cancer tissue to experimentally analyze and test. Since 1951 and the discovery of that her cells could do this outside of the body, mm. uh, her cell line has since been used to develop treatments for cancer, Parkinson's, the flu, polio vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines, uh, HIV, tuberculosis, salmonella, the Human Genome Project, which we'll come on to later in this today's topic, uh, the development of in vitro fertilization, uh, the, the actual production of x-rays, They've been to space and have simulated space travel. Um, in 1985, her cells were used to find the link between the human pap uh, papillomavirus, or HPV, and uh, cervical cancer, the very thing that killed her. And her cell line has been cited in well over 110,000 scientific publications. Um, because of this, obviously, uh, scientists had uh, I think it was scientists had published a book about her life in 1973 which her family read thinking that was a bit odd and found out what happened no one in her family knew that her cell line had been kept this entire time and was the source of all of this medical discovery and it sparked a massive controversy around the debate of medical ethics and ownership of genetic material who owned the line was it Henrietta was it the lab who cultured the cells is it Henrietta's family still um and it was all up in the air because consent had never been received or given and her family never even knew that this was still happening to this day um there was even a 2017 film about this starring oprah <laughs> um and anyway henrietta's family decided to sue a specific uh company thermo fisher scientific where they came to a settlement last week um but yeah i think basically that the point of the news is to be like sometimes scientists suck but also to shine, I guess, recognition on a cell line or a person that that cell line is from, Henrietta Lacks, who I'd certainly never heard of before. And without, we literally wouldn't have cures and treatments for many, many things. Um, so, yeah. That's it, really. Uh, kind of wild. Kind of wild. Yeah. Kind of wild. Um... So yes, this the, week the ABC conjuncture. I just had a kind of Google. If, if anybody out there is a mathematician and knows their stuff, it's the ABC conjecture. Conject, con ABC conjecture. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that. Maybe that sounds interesting yeah. as well. Yeah. Another thing to, to put on the the whole math issue is his previous work has been really good. <laughs> That's <laughs> why is why they haven't just debunked uh, him because he he's not talking to news and he's not like going around discussing anything, um, right. which is a bit strange. Um, but the issue being is his other work is like prime. So it's the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so maybe he wanted like a massive legacy that he's just like, oh, I'm going to do this, and then just put up a million pound bounty on it. Yeah. Jeez. That's 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 publicity. That is. All right. Uh, the microbiome. Then. 
Yeah, Do Minecraft you ever... like it's one of those things where what is just what is it? It sounds like it should be outside, like because it's a biome. Yeah, like, well, like in Minecraft. If you imagine it like Minecraft, right? <laughs> Whoever's played Minecraft out there, if you imagine the biomes that you get, like the snow biome. Now imagine that inside of your body. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, well, it's like a separate space inside your body where there's just loads of stuff and a thriving ecosystem that is just going on in there. Essentially, yeah, it's kind of an ecosystem for uh, bacteria and other tiny things tiny um, things is it yeah like, yeah so uh, collectively bi- if you didn't know referred to as the microbiota yes yeah it is um so i mean we have like biome as you said that is a use that is a, a large scale thing then you have a microbiome which could be any uh community of microorganisms that can be found living together in any given habitat and then specifically the human microbiome, which is, as you correctly said, is where we are, that habitat. Um, the human microbiome is the aggregate of all microbiota that reside on or within human tissues and biofluids, along with the corresponding an- anatomical sites in which they reside, including the skin, mammary glands, seminal fluid, uterus, ovarian follicles, lungs, saliva, oral mucosa, conjunctiva, bio biliary tract and gastrointestinal tract which is what we most often hear about it you know you're watching those yeo valley yogurt adverts yeah oh we're gonna make your internal microbiome gut really yeah, healthy the, your gut we're gonna supercharge yeah. your gut or whatever it is exactly yeah this this they're, they're referring to a single part of the microbiome but as we know now quite an important one um, and the types of biota can include bacteria archaea, fungi, protists, viruses. It's literally all there. Um, but we do exclude, very importantly, uh, micro-animals. So micro-animals are not uh, thought to be uh, excluded from the microbiome. Micro-machines. Um, they excluded as well. Well, if they're version 3, if it's micro-machines for V3, uh, then it's fine. <laughs> such, a, such a niche <laughs> niche <laughs> reference to make I uh, love yeah. that game Micro Machines isn't that from like the toys no I never had the toys uh, I, I had, had Hot wheel, Wheels and things so I had uh, it was essentially like a macro machine transporter that looked like a van right? okay yeah that uh, you would open up and fold out and then it would be like the micro machine world oh that's yeah. wild. No, I remember playing Micro Machines <laughs> V3 on the PlayStation. Um, I'm looking at it on Amazon now. Currently, £193.35. pence. What? Sorry? Do you, can you... Uh, Micro Machines V3 PlayStation Platinum Edition. Uh, so this is where... I think the Platinum is when they resold yeah, yeah, the games they, they later on. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether they changed anything. Um, but essentially, or well, anyway, it's been uh, 193 pounds and 35 pence with a one pound 26 eBay, delivery for that kind of stuff. So you're better off on like eBay because Amazon just is like the resetty thing and it's just, just crap. <laughs> it's just uh, like overcharged crap. Oh, they're still making micro machines. Oh, I yeah, could get yeah, it. Yeah, micro they, machines um, V3 PS1, five pound. Yeah. So. It was the uh, Super Van City Post uh, micro machine toy thing. And essentially it was like a world inside of a van and the van folded out and there was like an airport and like a track that you put two micro machines and then pull it back and then fire them off and they used to race. Oh. It was called, a, I had the, the combat carrier. It's a giant military transport that opens into a mega battlefield. Damn. Okay, that's fair. Sounds cool. cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I had a real craving. So I, I had a real craving this week to find a game that's going to scratch that itch. And one of the things I came across again was Micro Machines. Actually, um, I had the. But I was like, oh game. well, you know, it's just not going to happen, is it? Because uh, they don't make it anymore. But they do. Wow. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, Mike, I think it was, yeah, my micro machines v3 mate so i just realized <laughs> that was the game that i had ridiculousness what a good time yeah the driving school and all that jazz yeah uh anyway i'm sure this is boring for anyone who isn't a nerd um so let's uh, move right facts move on from this facts microbiome facts yeah you, got you, got? you actually had some this week. I, I do have some this week, yeah. Do you want to um, go first as you've actually got some? Okay, I can do. So gut bacteria may actually steal genes to expand their functions. Now, I won't go into too much detail here about how they may steal genes um, from their environment, but if there's loose DNA around, maybe essentially they can just co-op that into their DNA. Um, so not only can our gut bacteria educate our immune cells, but they're also good students able to adapt and learn new skills there is one bacteria bifidobacterium and uh firmicutes firmicutes firmicute species uh, <laughs> but, i don't know whether oh, yeah. to read this in like a latin sense or <laughs> like a firmicute firmicutes is the right one firmicutes okay uh, yeah. species have been observed to share genes with seaweed eating bacteria allowing them to better digest nori and wakame so this is in um, obviously the Japanese region. It is theorized that the gut bacteria encountered in marine bacteria on seafood stole their genes. Yeah. Well, it, in a this. process called uh, horizontal gene transfer. So basically there was bacteria on the seafood that someone ate. Then the genes went, oh, that seems like a nice adaptation that I want. Uh, took the genes from the bacteria, which makes the human better at digesting the food that they're eating seaweed in this case useful isn't it very useful yeah um yeah kind of wild really blew my mind crazy stuff yeah no, i saw that as well it was like the fact that you're eating something's like you know what I, this is good this is good yeah i mean i'd known obviously doing some uh university in in, in biology I, I had come across horizontal gene transfer before in bacteria but I'd never really thought about its effect within the human body. Yeah. Like normally it's just One like, oh, that's, that's useful. I'm going to steal a gene to survive the cold. Great. I just want to say for, for people listening, uh, scientists don't know and researchers are unsure whether this happens over thousands of years or within months. Like the opinion is split, whether this is like something that can happen really rapidly or something that is like over time. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, the hypothesis is rapid bacterial gene acquisition. Yes, okay. One hypothesis. Uh, may have allowed our ancient ancestors to adapt quickly to new environments. Otherwise, our forebears would have had to wait for uh, genetic mutations to arise at glacial speeds. Quite literally at glacial speeds at that point. Back in the day. Way. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense though, right? bacteria come into contact with food they're like oh there's other bacteria here that are really good at digesting that food that's coming in why don't i steal that like for a purely selfish reason it helps us because they break down food and allow us to absorb it quicker as well so yeah really cool really it cool is. but uh, that's my fact uh, mom the other one was uh, it being a unique fingerprint oh uh, yeah yeah, I'm sure you, you also saw this from the same thing. I did see area. this. Yes, yeah. I did see that. That one as well. Um, so the issue being is, you know, we share around 99.9% of our DNA with other humans. Whereas if we could make a fingerprint of our microbiomes, they're very, very vastly different. And thinking like the cybersecurity head in me, I was like, could we use it <laughs> as a like a token authentication system? Like, you don't need like, your, you finger, your yeah. fingertips. And you got your yeah. thumbprint to could you like is there a way that you could um have like a sensor in your gut that you swallow and then just sits there? We can, but the problem is that it is not stable. Like a fingerprint doesn't oh, yeah, this change was, uh, no, yeah, throughout your entire life. It, right? it we just we just talked about it, it changes over time. And like if you become yeah. ill or you have any sort of like gastroenteritis or anything like that. Like it goes all over the place, and it can change quite rapidly. So, yeah, unless that sensor is like 
I don't know, channeling the information constantly to an emitter and then, then you take a test. Yeah, I just don't see how that would work because it is changing so much. Yeah. One of the things they're doing now in the outer space is um, it's like an EK, it's like a portable EKG machine. You put like... Oh, okay. Like, I think it's like your thumbs, your palms on it and because you're... It's like, unless you have, you know, get heart palpitations or something wrong with you, that pretty much stays the same or the same rhythm or there's a way that you can computationally work out with the dips and the... Peaks in the troughs are it's the better way of describing it scientifically. Um, yeah, that can authorize you. Two-factor authentication—that's what you need. That's why. <laughs> that, yeah, just get a text to your phone. That or the uh, the authentication apps—that's pretty good. Yeah, because um, there's some which I think is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Excuse my French. Well, then they, <laughs> they send you the they send you the like the 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 SMS the, the text right. Yeah. If you nick someone's phone, put it sideways mode, so like the text comes up. You can just read it. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to unlock the phone. It just pops up like notification, text. This is your thingy. So yeah. Yeah, but you can just set the phone to not show messages on a lock screen. You can. Yeah, but that would, that would that. require you having to have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Already. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people. A lot of people don't realize. I was like. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. Secure, I've got two factor alarms like out here. No, <laughs> you don't. You think you do, but you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. You don't. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Um, got a topic you'd like to dive into? <sighs> Microbiomes, mate. Microbiomes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got that one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, microbiomes. Wait, where should we start? Should we start with like defining the human microbiome? Well, I did. Well, you did, but you didn't give it enough flavour. I think. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you, you go for it. Then. You're very scientific about like it's X Y Z. Like, you didn't use words like encapsulating. Oh, apologies. Yeah, and uh... establishing intricate relationships both cooperative and competitive okay well we all know you're here to add the flair Influencing. i'm the robot like, you're the flair well, this is the thing it influences vital biological processes that like underpin our entire health and well-being and influences yeah. like lots of different functions on our body yeah it's really wild like the stuff i mean re- recently one of the big things is um like mental health and the link to microbiome um, yeah. And people with who suffer from depression or um, anxiety have been found to have like underactive microbiomes um, as well. So yeah, there are the massive implications. Also, how it interacts with our immune system, um, trains our immune system even. But I'll come on to that later. So yeah, it really is wild. Oh, um, it's tough. And a re- kind of what strikes me most is how relatively recently we found all of this and in such a short space of time. Mm. Also crazy. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that's absolutely crazy about this is the, the scientific consensus here that microbes within and upon us. I think it's a really funny way of describing it because like on our skin, obviously it's just uh, a rich tapestry, if you will, of microbial... It's kind of like infestation, but that, that paints a, a very bad picture. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> ecosystem, uh, <laughs> the our, micro, our, our microbial inherent <laughs> inheritors inhabitants outnumber human cells by a factor of ten. Yeah, it's quite scary, actually. Um, yeah, I was going to do a quick Google here of. Of what? Yeah, Tom. Come in, Tom. Earth to Tom. Sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen. He's uh he's gone to Google something and it's caused his internet to break. Or his laptop. We don't know. I mean, I'll just continue talking and wait till he comes back. Oh, oh, he's coming back. We have confirmed reports. Oh, there we go. He's back. Well, I was here. I never left. I just knocked my mic. Um, no. Which just reset it, and then Audacity was like, nah. Oh. Absolutely not. 
So that's fun. Scenes. Where did we get to? It's been so long since we were talking about the microbiome. Yeah, I was going to Google how much of the human weight is microbiome. Uh, but it's only 0.3%. And you were saying... Yeah, they're only light, aren't they? Yeah. They're not like weighing us down. No. Um, pre- significantly updating previous estimates that 1% to 3% of the body mass is composed of bacteria. Um, or 1 to 3 kilograms. But yeah, yeah, just not not the case. Um, but yes, you were saying about uh, the number of cells. Yeah. It's just huge. It's huge. Like, what are you going to do about it? Let's be honest. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I could launch in introductorily to the Human Microbiome Project. It may lay some foundation for what we understand about the human microbiome. Okay, you go for it. I'll, I'll just interject with just random nonsense as you're going along, as you as per usual. That's not the case at all. <laughs> I, 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 I see to you for all knowledge and uh, wisdom. Um, so, the Human Microbiome Project is kind of like the Human Genome Project. It was a US National Institute of Health Research initiative, basically designed to just help us understand about the human microbiome. It ran from 2007 to 2016 um, taking I think 170 million dollars of funding in that time so just a little bit mm-hmm. and it's one of the most important collective research efforts on human health kind of ever really and it's very basically where we get all of our fundamental knowledge about the human microbiome from and why we went from absolutely knowing nothing pre-2007 to knowing basically everything we consider foundational about it now to you know in a seven-year time span essentially because uh, in 2014 phase one finished which is where we got all that information from um so there were two phases to the human microbiome project phase one focused on identifying and characterizing human microbiota and had the following goals to develop a reference set of microbial genome sequences and perform pl- preliminary characterizations of the microbiome Two, to explore the relationship between disease and changes in the human microbiome. Three, to develop new technologies and tools for analysis. Four, to establish a resource repository. And five, to study the ethical, legal, and social implications of the human microbiome. Uh, Phase two then launched in 2014 and basically just had the aim to generate resources to characterize and elucidate roles of microbes in health and disease states. All the findings from this were published in 2019, so just phase two, that is. Um, But I think the biggest achievement that came out of the Human Microbiome Project was the reference database that it established. So on the 13th of June 2012, they published a lot of this data from uh, in Nature, in the Public Library of Science, or the PLOS Journal, as well as many other really highly respected journals, um, as well as a big press conference and all of these kinds of things. They showed from 242 healthy volunteers from the US and more than 5,000 samples that were collected from 15 men and 18 women um, from body sites such as the mouth, nose, skin, lower intestine, um, vagina as well. All of the DNA human microbial uh, data were analyzed with DNA sequencing machines. The microbial genome data were extracted by identifying the bacterial specific ribosomal RNA Uh, RNA is essentially single-stranded DNA. Um, The researchers calculated that more than 10,000 microbial species occupy the human ecosystem and that they've identified 81 to 99% of the genera. In addition to establishing the Human Microbiome Reference Database, they published several surprise findings. Uh, The first one is that microbes contribute more genes responsible for human survival than humans' own genes. It's estimated that bacterial gene uh, protein coding genes are 360 times more abundant than human genes. Microbial metabolic activities, for example, digestion of fats, are not always provided by the same bacterial species. And the um, the presence of that activity seems to matter more than the species. 
and also that the components of the human microbiome change over time, affected by disease, medication. Um, however, the microbiome eventually returns to a state of equilibrium, even though the composition of that bacteria has changed. Um, so all of this stuff is kind of stuff that we've heard about, but really we had no idea until fairly recently. Which I think is kind of wild. And I think yes. it's really important why we get these kinds of like fundings where, oh, we're just going to, we have, we know this is important, but it's such a big task and we don't know how to tackle it. So we're just going to get some really smart people, dedicated research labs, kind of throw money at the problem. But now this, you know, project isn't established anymore because it's not needed. The foundation is there that is allowing people to study this on their own. Um, so yeah i gave the people the tools yeah to do, to do to do exciting things with i think it's one of those like things where they're just suddenly like oh this is actually is really important but we have no research on it so let's do a massive initiative to kickstart uh research on it and just showing how closely it is linked to just general health and it's something that we we don't think about and of course since then that is when all like the you know, yoga adverts started about having an active uh, gut, uh, having the right bacteria compared to the wrong bacteria. Um, and I, I, I distinctly remember a rapid change or I don't know whether this is one of those things I noticed because I seem to randomly remember like just picking up on, but a massive, quick, rapid introduction of healthy gut talk and distinguishing quickly from pathogens to healthy bacteria whereas before there was just all bacteria is bad <laughs> i don't think i ever saw all bacteria is bad thing yeah maybe it's just a connotation i incorrectly picked up on as a child you know yeah. um and then and that stuck with me but yeah um so and like because this, cause they start making these all probiotics didn't they yes you know, that's what they yes. define those um which is really funny if you go to the nhs website they just got probiotics are thought to help restore the natural balance yeah um, and it's so difficult because as we said earlier everyone's is different and it really yeah. is like a a history like it's it's like a living memory of the things you have consumed the places you've been because uh, everywhere you go you pick up more microbiome uh, the things you eat change how your micro the composition of your microbiome. It's like a living tapestry of what you've done, where you've been. Yeah, it can, it can work against you though, because if you ingest something that it completely disrupts it, it can t like you can get really ill. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know this is a very, very like Western thing, um, but like if you get it's called deli belly, which uh, or traveler's diarrhea. If you didn't know, or I was gonna say that's probably the much more PC version. <laughs> well, that's it was coined in the Delhi Belly film, which is 2011. Oh, really? Film. Yeah, it was, it was oh. coined in an actual Bollywood movie, so it's not just Westerners calling it. I but genuinely like, presume that came from colonization. <laughs> I genuinely presume that was just like the most British, like inherited racial thing that we were still saying. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm I'm having a look at it being problematic, but okay. Well, uh, uh, I'm wrong. I'm quite happy to be wrong. I'm glad. Um, I just I I'm, fully. I'm, I'm doing a quick. Like, if if that is a problematic word uh, or phrase, no, I've I've fully presumed this in my own head. So yeah, it could be completely wrong. It is in the Oxford Dictionary. Oh, no. Is it what Delhi Belly is? Oh no, this is yeah, coming from could, the Oxford be, languages. Yeah, that could be very. Um, no, it's, you it's know. not in the dictionary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is, like, if you have something like Delhi Belly, it can cause you like masses of issues where you have to put on a drip because you, your body's just like trying to cleanse itself because it's not used to it or it's eating something bad and you can't get rid of it and your bio, your gut biome's all out of whack 
Yeah. But going back to the NHS website. <laughs> yeah, sorry. There's, a, there's, <laughs> there's very little evidence to support many health claims made about them. Uh, for example, there's no evidence to suggest that probiotics can actually, in fact, help treat eczema. Um, which, yeah, seems a bit obvious. Yeah, it does. Unless but people this, are smearing it on thing. their arms. Is that the thing I've been needing to do this entire time? <laughs> because I was going <laughs> to... There is... Because we talked about this at the start. Skin uh, microbiota, which is uh, like the, the skin surface area, also is a habitat for an array of microorganisms, yep. which have their own ecosystems, which are in, like different body regions. Yes. Like upper, lower hands, face, mouth, all that kind of stuff. They all have different regions with different uh, microbiome. Microbiota, different species, different genus, different types yeah, even. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, often harmless, it actually acts as a guardian, warding off potential pathogens and contributing to your like skin's overall health, acting as a like a dynamic shield, if you will. Yeah, um, it's quite an important barrier, because not only do you have the skin itself as a barrier, but you have stuff on the skin that come into contact with bacteria like, Oh, I'm just gonna eat that. Yeah. That if no, it no, got no, no, into no. you would be harmful. <laughs> um so yeah it's 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 quite weird to think about like you've got this kind of active layer of your skin but you do yeah yeah got a shield got an active shield Boop. that's for that's for, for halo. halo yeah yeah, yeah see <laughs> got it he knows he knows oh dear i just got a flashback then <laughs> booting up the xbox 360 getting on halo yeah. reach Oh dear! Oh man, you went for Halo Reach. I was going to say Halo Three. I think I was a bit late to the party because I was on the Wii before yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Halo Three is my first like proper foray into uh, online gaming. Oh yeah, yeah. It, that explains so much. Yeah, it got. It's the reason I got the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Oh really? Because uh, yeah. uh, we were making called uh, Baldy. Oh yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a three hundred and sixty. We went round because back. Back in the day, if you had one Xbox, you could play four-player split screen online. Oh, on one yeah. Xbox. So all, the three of us went round, and then we would take turns being the big screen because it split it three ways. So one person would have half the screen, <laughs> and the other two would have a quarter, and then you'd rotate to uh, whoever who had like half the screen. Yeah, fun times. So, then I got it. Which, yeah, that's fair. Which, which was the start of the end. It's the start of the end. Here so, we are. Here we are. Here we years are. later, still yeah. playing video games. Who would have thought? They say it's that bad for you. 15 uh, years of age, that was. Bloody hell, really? Yeah. <laughs> trying to think. My, Nearly 15 my, years later. My first console. <laughs> oh, my first console were, would have been the one that I actually owned as a PlayStation 1. I think I... It was actually, like, mine, mine. <laughs> no. Well, the first one that I was in my house that I had kind of had unlimited access to wasn't mine, because I think the first one that I bought was... Wii. No, that wasn't even mine. It must have been the 360. Yeah. The Sega uh, Mega Drive? Yeah, Mega Drive. SNES? I don't think Nintendo I had a SNES. 64? Or a 64. Oh, 64s were the best. Uh, Sega Mega Drive release date. When did that come out? 1988. No, that's the Sega Genesis. <laughs> uh, the the child miners that I went to, they had a Nintendo 64. So when I was in primary school, I essentially cut my teeth every evening playing uh, Super Mario Kart. Oh, nice. And Super Smash Brothers. Nice. That was that. Was that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we are completely diverging. Uh, so, FMT. See, I made a joke about this yes. Tom earlier, and I said it was going to be a... Uh, <laughs> I said it was going to be a shit topic, right? Uh, and it's all about FMTs. Fecal microbiota transplants. I came across this when I was looking for the the the, the weight because you'd mentioned FMT to me before the show and I was like I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Um. But I came across it while I was looking for for the number of the, the the weight. So, yeah, I'm intrigued. So what it is, right? At its core, it involves transfer of fecal matter from a healthy donor 
to an individual facing an ailment linked to disruptive gut microbiome. So something that we talked about earlier about having disrupted, so such as deli belly. If you, there's also, I think this is on genetic. There's, there's two, two halves of this. Two, though, if you've got um, one, is a, a genetic issue. I don't know what you call it. But like essentially, it can cause it can cause like yeah, like it can cause the disruptive guts syndrome. Essentially, okay. But then on the flip coin of it, you have people with like super fecal matter who are like fecal matter donors because they they've got such healthy guts that it's so important that they donate it and they get give money for literally doing shit all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh to, to to donate it for these people uh and the aim of this this procedure is to restore microbial equilibrium within the recipient's gastrointestinal tract thereby alleviating the symptoms and fostering recovery uh, initially employed to combat recurrent uh clostridium difficile infections which are persistent bacterial infections that conventionally that conventional antibiotics often fail to resolve fmt has broadened its potential applications because of that so if you get there's, a, there's an infection of your uh colon because that's what uh clostridium difficile because cluster is your clostomy bags it's your colon clostridioides yeah what? That, that's what i'm seeing on here CDI, CDI, <laughs> C diff, C diff infections. There you go. Um, which essentially, is, you know, can cause diarrhea. Uh, is is often affected by people who've been taking antibiotics for a long time. Um, and you can have that donated into your body. Um, so the success of FMT in treating. C. difficile infections sparked massive interest in exploring its efficiency for conditions beyond its the initial scope. Primarily, preliminary suggest studies suggest that FMT might offer respite for patients grappling with IBS, uh, in, so it's irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, so IBD, and even metabolic disorders. The implications of these findings are far-reaching, signaling a shift in our understanding of the interplay between gut microbiota and human health. As you previously said, it's a new thing. So, you know, these sorts of, um, what do you call them? Treatments. Moments, yeah, yeah. Treatments and ideas are coming, coming in, they come fast. Um, so as our knowledge of the human microbiota deepens, so does our capacity to manipulate its for therapeutic ends because i was going to say like what earlier like what can we possibly do with all this new knowledge of our like internal microbiome but there's loads of things that we can do um while fmt holds significant promise it also raises questions about the long-term consequences and potential risks associated with introducing an external microbial community into an individual's gut this prompts us to envision a future where targeted interventions and innovation approaches could emerge but you have to be very careful because, as we know, if you just, like, whack it out, it's going to go. Yeah, you can never just whack it out. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you never, never do that. I mean, you could also think of Especially it like... You, um, <laughs> you never whack out your gut. <laughs> um, so it's one thing we're, we're constantly taught about in biology is invasive species. And you, if you think about pristine islands, and then you, you bring a species there oh, that completely eradicates yeah. the, the local, say, population of flightless birds... They've never had to evolve to fly away from something. You introduce something that hunts them, they're just all going to die. What if you do the similar thing to someone's microbiome by accident, right? Um, which is essentially, I guess, what's happened with a disease anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was, okay, for those that don't know, Tom and I are in, the, in a D&D session. New one, new D&D campaign. Uh, and we rescued some animals because that's just who we are. That's but then after do. rescue, we released them and then went, wait a minute, these could potentially be invasive species. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make sure that we're not ruining the ecosystem by releasing these in a completely made up, fabricated <laughs> that, That's what world. druids do. Yeah, you know, I'm not even a druid, mate. So. Might as well be. You're adopted. Adopted into yeah. the fold. Um, but one of the crazy things about FMT, it's a fecal transplant uh, 
thing is the success rate. <laughs> no, that's fecal matter transplant. Fecal matter. Fecal matter thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the success rate, I've just found in a study from 2021, uh, claims that the success rate for treating CDI, CDIF, CDIF, is 90%. Yep. 90%. That's crazy. Like, it's very high, isn't it? Because when you were like, oh, it's very successful, I was like, oh, I wonder how successful. Because normally very successful in clinical terms is, you know, <laughs> anywhere between 60 and upwards. Oh, that's that's good. You know, sometimes even 50, yeah. sometimes we even take 50-50, sometimes we even yeah, take 50, less. 50 is like, it's right? like, you know, if it's, if it's dire situation enough, someone's like, coin flip, yeah, let's go for it. Oh, even worse, people are like, oh, 20% chance this will work. Oh, yeah, okay, cool, let's try it. If you're, you know, you're really running out of options uh but 90 percent that's 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 great just so get a bit of poop poop yeah. yourself so everyone <laughs> knows well, i want someone to know how this is done this is a very graphic um they mix it <laughs> they collect a donor's bowel movements mix it with saline a solution then strain it through a coffee filter so the result is a brown liquid that contains the good bacteria. Um, and then the doctor injects it in deep into your colon using a long flexible tube called a uh, colonoscopy. No, colonoscope. Scope. Colonoscopy is the, the procedure. I was going to say, yeah. They use. Uh, it's essentially a colonoscopy. Essentially, they just like inject a liquid in there. Um, you don't like... <laughs> you'll be knocked out <laughs> they'll give you medicine they'll make you sleep for the whole thing so you don't have to be there uh, before you get the transplant you won't be taking any antibiotics antibiotics for two days and then you have to have a liquid diet and use lactoses or an enema to like clear yourself out so the only thing that's in there is this good stuff yeah there's a new type of fecal transplant though oh uh, comes in a capsule form and it's called uh, Voust Essentially, what the doc- <laughs> happens is the doctor places it in your gut through a long tube that goes up your nose and down into your belly. No. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. Um, so what happens is the donated poop is screened, prepared and frozen then placed inside little capsules. You get 15 capsules over two days. Um, doesn't sound very pleasant, but it works well to clear up uh, diarrhea from recurrent C. diff so yeah hey, so well, I guess if it works if it works it works yeah you're not the thing is you're not getting <laughs> like a stomach full of fecal matter the capsule is made to dissolve in the time it takes that it would get into your gut right okay so that's where it, yeah. that's where it's broken that's where it's broken down and where it's needed you're not just like it's not dissolve those capsules that dissolve with stomach acid no no that, make, that, that makes would sense be, imagine the burps <laughs> Oh, that'd be nasty. <laughs> but you <laughs> Oh, Christ. Um, one of the things I looked at was the, the microbiome in conjunction with, with the, the immune system itself, um, mm. which well, one of the first things I, I kind of looked at in, in it to, to do with this was where we get our microbiome from. Now, of course, we, we've, we've discussed its um, environmental depends what you eat depends where you go these kinds of things as well but where you initially get your foundation microbiome uh, is from the mother normally Uh, this is passed to the child when they are in utero um, when uh, the the mother gives birth to the child if it isn't through a a c-section the baby is exposed to um, microbiome the microbiome of the vagina as well when the child best breastfeeds um, there's a whole host of microbiome like being given to the baby from the mother at that point as well, which is why breastfeeding is really important. Um, and again, another reason why that's become like a massive like boost with that as well, um, uh, along like with the NHS that's and not, all that not kind of stuff. Not, yeah, yeah, this is a big thing at the moment. And they're no, like, oh, it's not like best. a fad. It's not just... necessarily. Like it's only to shield them for the first was it three to four weeks and then it then it's fine yeah i mean obviously some people don't have like it's not an option for some people but if 
it is a possibility. It is encouraged. Um, and what does that stand? Because there's like people that donate their say donate. They sell like you know, big thing in America is the selling of um, breast milk. I had no idea about if, that. Oh, there's a whole documentary on it that Chris oh, okay. watched like last year, uh, and it was like people hustling uh, the the breast milk industry essentially, then like saving it up and then selling it to people. There was one really creepy one where just a guy was buying it. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, no, he didn't have a kid, didn't have a baby. He was just buying it for himself. But if it's from a different mother. Is that gonna have effect because it doesn't line up? Not really. Oh, well, it'll just, just be, be like it'll just be new. It'll just be new microbiota. No, it'll just be new bi- microbiota, and some of it yeah. won't establish because it's not as dominant, right? Um, yeah. Because it is different, as you say, but it's not a bad thing. Uh, I'm coming at this from the angle of my mum being a health visitor, so I, I get the current trends, or I used to anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, but one of the, the really important ones that I never really considered before is like skin-to-skin t- contact directly after birth yeah, allows for the reason. transfer of skin microbiota, which is super important. Um, again, another reason why they, they encourage skin-to-skin contact where it's possible. Um, and so... From, do you know how much that costs, by the way, in America? Oh, I, I bet it's like three grand to like hold, no, your, no, hold no, your child. So, so post, uh, <laughs> post-labor cost for skin to skin after a c-section it was 40 dollars they were they, they they charged wild like yeah. what an absolute hellscape <laughs> what an absolute <laughs> hellscape that is um gone yeah. from being yeah. like oh yeah i just watched america just, when i was young i was like oh yeah america that's a cool place they seem to have no. their stuff figured out no. no and then either i've grown up and realized that they don't or it's just gone downhill. Yeah. Total charges uh, for a, a C-section delivery, 13,000. This 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 uh this family. My lord. $13,000. Yeah. Um you uh, for for the itemized bill, yeah, delivery of the C-section for 3 or 3 grand. Um quantity 79 seems like a bit of a weird quantity cuz I don't only think it happened once. Um, no, there was there was seventy nine different C sections until they found the right one, but they still build you for all of them. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, then a, a lactation consultant comes in. They, they, they goes, oh yes, you are lactating. Yeah, I don't know. Two grand, please. Yeah, yeah. what a wild. Absolutely wild. Like, so out of all the like, when anybody charges anything, I'm always just like, please, please. Especially happened at uni, like when I was moving out and they tried to like charge me something for my halls. I was like, send me an itemized bill of everything. And I, yeah. I, only, do, I only do that because I've seen horrors always from America, and, and you can be like, always ask for an itemized bill so you can see exactly what they are trying to charge you for, so you can argue each individual point. Like normally I wouldn't do it, but now I've seen so many horror stories. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, and and what I've seen in people in America as well, just just by asking for the itemized list, their price like halves. Yeah, just n- nothing has changed. Just all they did was ask for the itemized list, and so yeah, yeah absolutely crazy. Um, so if you're <laughs> if you didn't, you know, what I was I do talk about our, like uh, our listener breakdown. High percentage are Americans. Hello, Americans. How's it going? Hello. You're having a lovely day whenever you're listening to this. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is knowledge for you guys, our listeners out there, our 60, 70% breakdown. Um, yeah. Always ask for an itemized bill if you're ever charged for anything because they'll try and rip you off. Come what may. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's just wild. Uh, apparently, the prices out there are just kind of wild as well. Uh, George has just gone out there. Um, because she's gone out there to do some field work. Yeah. Prices just insane in the shops. Plus, you get to the till, they haven't done the tax for you yet. Oh yeah, don't. <laughs> I cannot stand countries that do that. Uh, it's. I don't just mean like that. It's just absolutely infuriating. Like, why wouldn't you bake it in to the price? Yeah. Anyway, 
Fun uh, times. So I was I was looking at the, some some people trying to defend this like flesh on flesh. Um, a really weird, weird way of me describing that. The, the baby. Honestly, I was like, are <laughs> you speaking about like in shops <laughs> skin now? Skin like flesh on flesh tax <laughs> returns? Uh, no, skin on skin contact. <laughs> um, and they, they just said, why isn't it free if the nurse who has to sit with the drugged up mum who has undergone major abdominal surgery so she doesn't drop the baby, like that's her job. That's what they get paid for. Like uh, why is there an extra charge on someone like so it's, the, it's your salary that you get paid to help and sit someone like sit with someone yeah it's it's like, like putting it on top of seems absolutely ridiculous you're charging us 40 dollars so that woman doesn't have to hold a baby for a little bit yeah uh yeah uh, it's crazy there was a fundraiser by the way if you didn't know for to that raise couple. The, the 40 dollars for that couple oh <laughs> Uh, which was literally on GoFundMe it was called I had to pay $40 to hold my baby that's uh, funny I've seen that I've seen that picture yeah, I've, I've seen that breakdown end. before but not the uh, the fundraiser portion of it seems, seems ridiculous yeah alright uh, we've tangented a little bit in this episode um, there's also a, 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 I'll send you another TikTok later um Another hospital charged four thousand for skin-on-skin contact for their newborn baby. Oh, there we go! Isn't that what I said earlier? The, yeah, Ooh. that's the J and J family. It's a, a TikTok family. They showed everything. Um, My lord! Yeah, they got charged like a ridiculous. I think that bill was actually twenty-eight thousand dollars. Like. Uh, okay, I know it must be expensive, and like you're paying for drugs, like epidural. If you're having that, you're paying for the equipment. You're paying for the experience of all the people who are looking after you, who have trained their entire lives to make this as pleasant as possible, and the knowledge in case anything goes wrong. I I understand that's what you're paying for, but twenty eight grand. Yeah, so... Like, do you skin, want people to have babies? Skin, Is that something you want in your contact, Um For the mother was free. It was for the skin-to-skin contact with uh, her husband. It was $4,000. Do I just be like, sorry, just I'm, I'm going to hold your hand and you're holding the baby, so that counts. <laughs> I just... <laughs> That's wild. I just... I, I, I just yeah. But that is also something that's being kind of encouraged uh, more and more lately, actually, is having the paternal skin-to-skin contact. Um, Again, microbiome-related, introducing uh, a second kind of microbiome, because it would be different between uh, the maternal and paternal side of things. Um, Mm -hmm. That could be stereotyping, but let's say from both parents uh, to gender-neutralise the situation. Um, But yeah. Yes, indeed. To, to yeah, and it's especially important, especially if both, if both, if they are the, the parents that are there and will be holding the baby, you need that contact anyway. Just, to, yeah. just to, in, the, in the first X amount of time to give them some extra protection. Extra protection, uh, form that emotional bond, which is like super important. Um, yeah. Like, okay, you'd think uh, you just love the child anyway. Yeah, of course, there is a part of that, but then like there's also instinctual inbuilt human nature which comes from holding a baby that you know is yours that's just been born like an extra there's an extra kicker there you know um evolutionary mm-hmm. driver let's say yeah. so yeah that really has it though that's a weird weird thing some people go the other way it's terrifying it's yes very, very sad it is sad um, but it is a thing it's quite a common thing actually postpartum depression yeah um more common than I think people know. Again, this is coming from my mum, who's a health visitor. So this is stuff I've picked up over the years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, postpartum depression, hugely common thing. And I think it's not spoken about. Maybe because I'm a guy, I don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe that's a thing. It could be. But I think it's not something. But guys should know about it. I'm 30. Yeah. Right? I've not heard about it, or nearly 30. I've not heard about it spoke that much. Like, um, maybe I should people, have. 
I think I have. I mean, because we know individuals, I know individuals that have gone through it. Yeah. And have struggled. Um, but yeah. Whenever, whenever he mentions, like, uh, like having babies, I'm just like, in this? In this economy? <laughs> in this recession? Yeah. Are you having a joke? So I got pre palm depression. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, but yeah, postpartum depression. Also, like, as you say, what can be really sad part of that is just kind of like disattachment towards the child, which is completely hormone driven, we think. Um, yeah. Of course, there are other factors also at play there, depending on a specific person's kind of history with depression and things like that. So, yeah, a very complicated scenario, but a very interesting one but a lot of people with the right help do kind of bounce back from that uh some people even bounce back from it you know completely on their own terms which is you know fair play bravo um not an easy thing to do but yeah i think the the human will in these situations can be quite an empowering thing mm-hmm. yeah all right cool we've uh we flipped around a little bit this episode Bit of a Sega Mega Drive talk in the midst of postpartum depression, in the midst of microbiome and my microphone breaking. So, yeah, I I think this is around an hour, maybe slightly more. (laughs) I'm actually unsure. (laughs) So uh, we'll bring it to wrap there anyway. Uh, Don't forget to share this with as many people as you possibly can. Um, Every listen counts. And yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Info Entropy Pod, Instagram, Information Entropy Pod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now. If you give us a like, a rating, a share, a comment, whatever it is, it helps us out massively. And uh, yeah, if you've got something you would like us to cover, but you don't have the time, we'll do the research for you. So let us know. Let us know. Uh, anything, anything to add huh? from you? Alright, awesome source. So we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Yeah, for now.